This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sunday evening, I've got a nice glass of wine in front of me, and we are celebrating a joyous win, um, which we're all really happy about. I think Reese will come on to the fact that, you know, we won a home game, which he hasn't seen for a while, which is brilliant. So we've got a couple of us together tonight just to chew the fat on the uh, on the Gillingham performance, and then perhaps look ahead to, um, it's a cup weekend, isn't it? We've got the, uh, we've got Derby coming up next weekend, and of course we've got Milton Keynes, uh, the MK Dons in a week. So we're going to chew up some of that stuff over and um, and see where we go. So who have we got with us tonight? I've just I've just let told us we've got Reese. Reese, how are we? Are you okay? Yeah, good. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, everything's good here in Leeds, and the good doctor's with us again. Ed, all good? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Loving life, loving life. You see, that's what we do on this pod. Bring the joy, bring you the joy. So we were pondering after the Stockport uh, game, weren't we? We were, we were, we were thinking about how is it going to go this weekend. I think we all predicted that we would have a win, um, and I, I went on the Gillingham uh, pod in the week, and they weren't looking wildly enthusiastic about where they were at the minute. You know, I think there's a, there is a few talking points to pull out of this game. Reese, what was you know you you've been desperate for a home win. What was your uh, <laughs> What was your view? What did you think of it all? I haven't seen a home win since February time. So, yeah, it was great to see a home win. I was quite critical of the side last week, but fair play. I think we played pretty well this week. The defence looked more assured, but that may be, I'm sure we'll come on to it, the quality that uh, Gillingham kind of posed. Uh, The build-up was a lot better. Uh, It was a lot less direct. Priestley looked brilliant. And I think once we got to 2-0, we kind of shut the game down. We we didn't push for a third. Um, I think if we'd really gone for it, we probably could have got one. But we, we were just seeing the game out and we managed it fairly comfortably from that point on. They had the odd half chance, but nothing really clear cut. Joe Day as well looked up for it. Mariah Welsh looked up for it. I'm not entirely convinced with him at, at right wing back once Cameron Norman came off. Um, he looked a bit... A bit unsure of himself at times. Yeah, his best position still looks to be centre mid. Yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. What was your reflections on the game? 
Yeah, I'd agree with everything Reese has said. Um, I think we we set up slightly differently. Um, I saw the Argus describe it rather than the usual kind of five three two. They talked about it as being a a three four one two. So the three centre backs, and then you have that sort of deep lying four of um, Lewis, uh, Mariah Welsh, Bennett, and Norman with the two kind of wing backs then pushing forward, and then Wait kind of playing. Well, sometimes behind the front two of Evans and Bogle and then sometimes kind of, you know, running off them. Um, And I thought, yeah, that was probably a better reflection of how we tried to set up and how we tried to cause problems to Gillingham. It got the best out of James Waite. um, And like Reese, I thought it also helped to get a bit more out of uh, Mariah Welsh, who was like a man possessed in the the first half, you know, really put himself about. Um, And I guess that's probably why they also thought that that because of that slightly different system, him switching to right wing back was less of a leap than perhaps um, with the, the the system that we've been playing previously. The other thing I'd say, and I, I tweeted it at full time, was the consensus after Robry left, and indeed, you know, whilst Robry was still with us, was this group of players should not be involved in a relegation scrap. We just needed to find a way to play pragmatically and I thought um, yesterday's game really showed that you know if you want to know what a relegation squad looks like that was Gillingham that that's what it looks like they were awful and we turned up we were well drilled we knew what we were doing every player knew what their job does uh, what their job was we got some um, goals that weren't classics but they did the job and then yeah we closed the game out and it'll do for now I'm sure we will talk over the coming months about how we evolve the playing style into something a bit prettier to watch. But for now, let's just get the points on the board. And if we play like we did yesterday, we'll manage to do that. It's interesting. I, I, it's interesting when you're commenting on that that formation. You see, this is why I like coming on the pod with you clever people, because, you know, you, you all look at formations and boxes and all sorts of stuff like that. that I just <laughs> sort of look where the ball is, you know what I mean? See what's happening to Dolan, you know? <laughs> but... You know, I think that's interesting. We can maybe chat a little bit more about Wake's role there. But but I think for me as well, you were talking about, you know, how bad Gillingham were, but they did bizarrely cause us some problems in that game. You know, and I and I, I was critical of Dave last week and, and rightly so in other games. And on, on the Gillingham pod, I, I said he'd be dropped and I thought we'd bring Townsend in. So, you know, we've got to give credit to him, his both his kicking out, so he managed to keep it on the pitch. But he did make two or three very, very crucial saves in that in that game, and they also hit the post and the bar from that corner, didn't they? You know, yeah. so like that game could have been quite. You know, they they had the first really good chance, didn't they? I think which um, well, there was the Bogle one we're going to come on to. Was it a goal or wasn't it a goal? But it wasn't given, and then Day made a brilliant save, and then hit the post and the bar. And so, although they were poor. They did create a few really good chances that that we were reliant on day to to keep us out, weren't they? Yes, yeah. but I would I, I still think we probably had another gear we could have found if if we'd needed to. So that would be the only note of caution. Yeah, you're right, and day did did very well with his saves. Um, the kicking was a little improved. There were still a few errors, but yeah, it was great to see him turn that round. And and yeah, the the saves in the first half were at really important moments. But I still. I'm still fairly confident in saying that I don't think Gillingham were very good because I, I don't think they were. But um, yeah, you're right. They they had their chances, but they didn't take them. We had a few chances and we did. And that's that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah. I think they've only scored six all season. Bad sides are unlucky sides, aren't they? So 
you know, when you're playing well, those bounces go your way and they're not playing well. And unfortunately for them, you know, those chances that are hitting the post, hitting the bar, aren't falling for them. Uh, mm. The day save was very good. But if that's the best opportunity that they can generate is shooting for 30 yards, you'd probably settle for that because most of those are going to go over the bar or into the stand. I expect Coughlin won't be very happy with the defending from that corner, which resulted in them hitting the post and the bar because that wasn't well defended. But then, you know, our attacking set pieces worked fantastically. The, the ball in from Aaron Lewis for the Priestley goal was absolutely superb. I sit quite close to kind of where that corner was taken. And it was a very, very good delivery. And Priestley's just got, he towered over that defender. And he did head it straight at the goalkeeper, but it just had so much power on it that just couldn't stop it. I do feel like Nostradamus here, though, because I did say on the Gillingham pod that what they need to watch out for is our wing-backs and Mickey Dimitri's long throw. You know, I'm wasted here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So let's... Let's chat a little bit. I'm interested in this formation change you were talking about, Ed, and like what that did for James Waite. Because I, I'm, as you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Waite, but he did look to have one of his better games for us um, yesterday. How, how did, how, why did that happen? Explain this new formation to me, and what, and, and how was it that Waite looked a bit better? I mean, I'm a bit like you. I, I, I like Waite, but he blows hot and cold a little bit. But it seemed to me the thing he was told to do yesterday is, look, you're an attacking, creative central midfielder, so attack them. You know, And he was at times running off Bogle and Evans. Sometimes he was getting in front of them. And what it did, it seemed to draw the defenders with him, unsurprisingly, and left a little bit more space for, for Bogle at times. Yeah, it was something he wasn't doing um, last week is running beyond the striker. So he was waiting for the layoff last week from when the ball went into Bogle. And there was one point where he was played in by Evans and he was so quick. None of our team could keep up with him either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah happened a couple got, of times. He got to the byline and he was the only one there. I Again, I thought he was superb. His running with the ball as well posed them real problems. They just didn't know how to handle it. And he had a um, shot late on as well from a way out that, that wasn't a million miles off. And if he's now getting into positions and got the confidence to have a go from distance when we know he can score, that's great. That's another string to our bow. And I thought Will Evans was superb as well yesterday. Um, he did everything well. He linked play superbly. He gave the energy that he always gives. I think I put in the WhatsApp group that the only thing he's missing is goals. And bearing in mind it's first six months of being a pro footballer. And I think he's already improved this season. So I, if he can add those goals to his game, you'd be a real handful for defences. I'd love to see a, I'd love to see a three with him on, him on the left, Bogle in the middle and Sanzala on the right. Talking of the mighty man, you know, I like him and I thought he worked really hard yesterday, but there was a, I did wonder at some point if, if him and, if him and Coco were going to get into a, a to do on the touchline. I, I, I was watching him from afar. You were in the ground. What, what, what was going on there? What was your view of that incident? And is it good, bad, indifferent? We just like brush it aside. What, what? Well, it, it, it was right down in front of me because I sit behind the the, uh, the dugouts, and he seemed to come off and be having a real Barney with Coughlin, and you know was uh, cross with the linesman, was cross possibly with his teammates. I suspect was cross with himself as well, and I saw a. Uh, a, a comment on Twitter, I think it was from Ollie, saying that yeah, he was he was obviously annoyed with himself for not having done more. I think he'd also had some abuse from some of the the people on the terrace as well. I think hadn't gone down well. 
Um, I just thought, yes, there have been games where he's been unhappy at poor service. Yesterday, I don't think he had any cause to be cross about the service that, that he was given. I think yesterday he maybe just wasn't quite on it necessarily. I still think he's probably the best or certainly one of the best attacking options we've got. We aren't blessed with loads, um, but I can't see uh, a partnership up top that doesn't involve Bogle at the moment with the injuries that we've got. Bogle is, he, he does offer us a skill set up front, um, and so we need to work out how to make the most of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd totally, I mean, I, I like him. I, 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 I do, and, and if we were... Without his goals and assists this season, we would be in an absolutely awful position, wouldn't we? You know, it's, so I, I don't really get criticism of him at all, to be honest with you. Um, and I did wonder after, and it, it, you know, Cochran sort of mentioned this, didn't he, in the in the, in the post match interview, that he was just he was not about having to come off. And if that's true, that's great, isn't it? We don't we want players who are not getting pulled off. I hated being subbed when I was a player. I mean, it never happens because you know, but. You know, it. You know, you don't want to be taken off, do you? You know, you want to stay on the pitch and have a and have a right good crack. And I thought he was putting himself about pretty well yesterday. Reese, what was your what's your view of it all? Yeah, I think some of the accusations that have been levelled at him was that he's he's lazy, and I think that's that's quite unfair. I, I after reading some of that, um, I was watching him quite closely, and he does work hard. He doesn't maybe doesn't chase the lost causes that some other strikers do. But he also spends a lot of time wrestling with burly League Two centre-halves, which is just as tiring as chasing the ball around the pitch. And he does that excellently. And he had some real nice touches um, yesterday. where he, There was one point where the defender, I think the defender pulled him down afterwards because he did a drag back, then nutmegged him and then ran yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin put a, a clip of it up on Twitter. It's beautiful. Um, you know... He's so he's got some quality as well when he's got the ball at his feet. He's not just a big lump, and he he probably the the goal that wasn't given. He probably should have put that away because it was a wonderfully worked move, and you won't get a better opportunity than that from twelve yards out in open play. Um, but yeah, he's probably just a bit annoyed. I think fair enough, not not being satisfied with being subbed, but I think there's. There's a way of handling it, isn't there? You know, he's an experienced pro. He knows sometimes that's going to happen. And also, he's our best attacking option. And it was, what, 10 minutes left in a game that was effectively won? And all we needed was someone to come on to chase round up front. Well, Lewis Collins can do that. Anyone, well, maybe not Matty Dolan. Anyone can do that for 10 minutes up top <laughs> and just run round after the ball and maybe saving him from himself that, you know, we're, we're going to need him for the rest of the season. So if you can give him ten minutes rest here and there, why, why risk it in a game that's that's won? Yeah, totally, totally agree with that. And the other thing I always think is a bit weird when we want some of the fans want the want our number nine to be hearing about all over the pitch. You know, I want him to play. I want him to be more like Gerd Muller and just stick between the posts. You know, just stay between the posts because that's where most of your chances going to come. They ain't going to come. Out near the corner flag, you know. So, no could, well, that's no that's how Dom Telford got twenty five goals last season. Was be be ready in the box when the chance comes to you, and yeah. let the other bloke, whether that's Will Evans this season or Courtney Baker Richardson last year, let them do the running about. You just make sure you're there so that the the, the wingers or the wing backs can cross it in without even having to look up because they know you'll be on the edge of the six yard box. Absolutely, yeah, took the words out of my mouth. 
Absolutely. And I thought the other thing that was interesting, a little bit about the the goal that wasn't, which you touched on there, Reese, was um, I think we've, I think all of us, a few of us have moaned a little bit since Haswell went that our, you know, our set pieces have looked a little bit formulaic, but that was well worked, you know, so, you know, is that evidence again of, you know, Cotton's been on the training pitch with them for a week with the, the coaches, the things were looking a little bit, you know, a little bit better, I thought, in that from that perspective. Um, including Mitty's crazy throws, which again buried. We had a little bit of uh, a little bit of fun with them, which which leads me on to who scores the second goal. I, well, I'm going to tell you who it definitely wasn't, right? Because the announcer, my uh, my, my mate, the uh, the PA announcer, Ronnie Bray, um, <laughs> gave it initially to Mickey Dimitri. And the one thing we can definitely say is he didn't score the goal because you can't score from a throw-in. So if Mickey Dimitri scored, it's not a goal. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. They gave it, I think, on on iFollow when I was watching it, they gave it as an own goal. But I think Coughlin afterwards was claiming that both Priestley was after it and Norman, I think. Norman definitely got a touch. He gets a flick on at the front post. But it's hard to see whether Priestley or the defender gets a touch on it to turn it in. But we'll give it to Priestley because to score his second league goal shortly after his first is... Uh, like buses, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You heard it. You heard it here first. Priestley got two in that game. Um, okay. Now before the game, there was some old fella wandered out onto the pitch and grabbed a mic and did a bit of karaoke. What did we? What did we think of that? While the while the teams were coming out as well, which I thought was about. Anyway. Ed, I think you were a big fan of this, weren't you? Well, I love the idea. Yeah, I thought um, getting Davidu Anto, he was there, I think, as part of the Christmas lights switch on in, in Newport. And the club had obviously seen the opportunity and said, fancy coming and doing it at Rodney Parade as well. So, yeah, we were told in the week he was going to sing Amar uh before the game, um, which they did a nice job of, of promoting. I sort of, it, weirdly on the day, I felt like they, they didn't sort of build up to it particularly in, in the ground in the sort of half hour or so before kickoff. But then, you know, yeah, just whatever it was, five to three, yeah, my mate, the PA announcer, came on and uh, explained what was going to happen and mangled the Welsh language a little bit along the way. And then, yeah, you know, nice nice rendition of Amarohid, well uh, sung, I thought, by the uh, the Newport fans. Yeah, I think you got it right when you said he ambled on because th- there wasn't any build-up to it. He just did kind of like amble up the touchline, have a few selfies, grab the mic, and then just off he went. But I thought it was good. Mostly people just sung the chorus because that's what everyone knows. But that's fine. It brought it lifted the atmosphere a bit, considering, you know, we came off the back of a loss and a few people were dissatisfied. I, I think it probably added a little bit to the gate, not loads, but, you know, everyone's in kind of World Cup mode. And I think there'll be a few people who, who might have thought, oh, that, that's something to go and say that I've done, you know, seen David yeah. sing singing Omar Ahid. I thought a lot of the social media reaction was massively positive. People, you know, like me who are Welsh learners, you know, perhaps seeing that as a bit of an impetus to learn the words or at least find out what it's about, which was really nice. The thing actually that I found most moving wasn't David Luan singing Amarohi before the game. It was on like the you know 85th minute towards the end of the game or something. The Amber Army unprompted started singing it over in the Hazel stand. And um, yeah, to hear that at a Newport County game, not because someone's played it over the tannoy or someone with a microphone is singing it, but to hear the fans doing it, I thought was something quite special. So I know we normally do shout outs and beefs at the end, but I'll do a shout out to the Amber Army for that because I thought that was a really nice moment and something that I don't think I would have expected that, you know, 20 years ago to have to have heard 
a Welsh language song at a Newport County game. So I thought that was a, a nice moment and a special moment. I think it's nice that we've got almost a bit of crossover because to me at times it feels like being a Newport fan and a Wales fan are mutually exclusive. Like you don't talk about being a Wales fan at the same time as being a Newport fan. And given our checkered history with the FAW, I can understand why. But yeah, I think it's nice that the club are celebrating both being Welsh and being uh, Newport fans. Um, so we've got a question in from uh, Chris, Chris Simmons, who has said, and this is a controversial view, I think, should Collins be given a start? With genuine pace paired with Evans, they could really worry defences. Um, I'm almost happy to say that myself, but I'm going to throw it out. Who's having it? Collins on? No. No, thanks. <laughs> no, thanks, says Ed. Reese. No. It's a no from me. I think yeah. he, you know, he's failed to impress in his um, in the chances he's been given, and at the moment, like Ed said earlier on, there's all of our combinations up front. I think will revolve around Bogle. So, and I think Evans is a better player. I think we've got several options who are who are better options. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I've only ever seen him have two decent games. One in the uh, playoff um, thing against Forest Green. And then he was good at Wembley, and just when he looked like he had the he had Morgan one toast, then he took him off. So I like, yeah, bizarre for me. But and I don't think he's a striker personally. I think we've discussed this before. I think he's he has got pace, as Chris says. He can take a player on potentially. So there could be a role for him coming on later in games, almost in the Nevers role, you know, on that left hand side to to you know and then get some take someone on and get balls in the box. But for the minute, for me, no. So the goal that wasn't. Has asked Ollie's asking us, you know, should we have better levels of technology at League Two? I'm going to throw this one to myself first of all because I can't bear VAR. It's an absolute abomination. It shouldn't be anywhere near football at any point whatsoever. So I don't want that. But I don't mind goal line technology. So that's a really easy one generally to work, isn't it? It's in the post. Is the ball over the line or not? Yes or no? That's a quick one to do. I think we could potentially adopt that and I'd be happy with that. Any more and no thanks from my point of view. I don't think VAR, certainly in its current guise, works very well. I think there was another example of that in the in the World Cup game earlier on. And and I think the main reason against VAR is it, it robs the passion from football where you know a goal is scored and it's given by the referee and then everyone has to wait for the check to be done. And it just robs that moment of euphoria when a when a goal goes in. Goal line technology, like you say, is easy easy to work and it doesn't slow the game down and it reduces the errors. So um, when I watched the highlights back last night, it uh, it didn't look like it crossed the line, but he still should have buried it. So Yeah, agree, agree. And, and the last question is um, about talking about euphoria. Um, which two teams are going to go down? Paul's asked us that one. At the start of the season, I <laughs> start of the season, my prediction was Barrow and Rochdale. So... <laughs> Barrow's clear. I got that one massively wrong, but I still think Rochdale are looking, are looking, are looking dodgy. So I'm still sticking with Rochdale, but um, I'm going to have to go with Colchester. That's my two. Yeah, I, I like you. I thought Barrow would be struggling, but um, fair play, they have confounded our predictions. Shows um, what we know, Ed. Yeah, yeah, I know. On the basis that the teams we've been at home, Colchester and Gillingham. I mean, if they. Uh, if if they come to Rodney Parade and we've taken three points off them, then I think they're going to struggle. I genuinely think Gillingham, if they don't make a swift manager change and do something, they are really going to find themselves adrift because I thought they were 
abysmal. Um, so yeah, Colchester and Gillingham for me. Yeah, same. Colchester just looked really poor, didn't they? Gillingham aren't scoring goals, and you can't can't win anything. If if you if you score six goals in 18, 19 games, are we in yeah, now? They're massively struggling but, with goals. Yeah, you you know you're never gonna you're never gonna get enough points to stay in the league that way. Totally agree with that. Okay, so we've done the uh, we've we've done the we've done the jills. We've done a bit of a uh, bit of, bit of questions. We've also had since we were lost somewhere the meet the manager event, which I know was plagued a little bit by connectivity issues. I think for for, for some of the streaming from that. You, you know all about those, don't you? Ian? I do know. All Captain Bandwidth. <laughs> yeah, Captain Bandwidth. Yeah, I know all about those. It's a long way from Newport to Leeds, you know, to get this. <laughs> but you know, there was some takes from that, wasn't that that. Apparently, Flynn urged Cockle to apply was one of the things that came out. We now know that Cockle shops in Aldi and Lidl. He's a Celtic fan who's partial to Man United, so that's a dangerous thing to be admitting in a, on any sort of fans forum, I'd have thought. The interesting one for me was he thought the squad should have been fitter, should have run more, and everyone's got to run, what was it, 10k a game? So that ups curtains for Dolan, doesn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> Dolan won't reach 10k in the season. <laughs> He's yet to leave the centre circle. The the thing he said that I thought was interesting, particularly given what we've been saying about striking options, um, was he talked quite enthusiastically about some of the youth players and wanting to bring them into the team. And he specifically picked out the Lewis Twamley uh, goal in the cup a few weeks ago. And that did make me think, well, maybe... He sees that as a potential option, you know, particularly if, say, Zimba goes uh, goes back and, you know, or if Sanzala's injury carries on. You know, we have got options on our own books who we may look to bring in. And, you know, Twamley has been on the cusp of getting a chance. Maybe this is going to be, be his, his opportunity, second half of this season. Maybe they'll they'll bring uh, bring him back from loan and give him a run out. And, and if so, I think I'd love to see that. I think he's he's shown he can score goals um, in men's football. So now he's got to step up and do it in the fourth division. Thinking about some of these younger players, we've got MK Dons in the pizza trophy in the week, haven't we? What He hasn't tinkered that much, has he, Cochrane, so far? And, and, and picking up on Reese's point the other week about, you know, we, we maybe we're under-rotating. What do you think? Do you, do you have any interest in that game at all? And, and, and if you do... What do you think is going to happen? And are we going to put out a changed side? Reese, what's your, what was you thinking about MK Don's concrete cows and roundabouts? Well, like I said before, I think rotation is a long season, a lot of games. If you're going to play Saturday, Tuesday or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, you're going to need to utilise your squad. And I think there's players there who he hasn't seen in, in a match, in a real match. I'm not sure if they've managed to have any closed door friendlies yet. So it might be informative. For him, giving you likes of Zimba a start and Townsend a start, see what they see what they can show you. Give them an opportunity to uh, you know catch your eye. But the bigger game, obviously, as we all know, coming up, we got Derby County. A little while ago, that would have been a massive game, wouldn't it? They've had a gone through a few issues over the over the season, and Ed has sat down with Chris from Steve Bloomer's Washing Podcast to get the opposition view. So let's hear from them. So then, Chris, um, how is Derby County season going so far and how is it performing against ex- expectations? Yeah, we're well, certainly in OK right now. Uh, I mean, the, the, the broader context is, of course, that Derby had enormous money issues in the past year or two uh, and had a very real threat of 
going into out of business, basically having been in, in administration for nine months until July. Um, so if you'd have offered most fans uh, sixth in League One, uh, six or seven unbeaten, and still in the cup at this point, then we'd have definitely all taken it. Uh, we had the managerial change as well. Uh, Liam Rossini going out and Paul Warren coming in. And I think we're starting now to find a bit of rhythm, really. Uh, scoring a lot of goals in the playoff picture, um, achieving a bit of consistency at home and the way. Um, and yeah, hopefully that can continue in, in the cup against Newport as well. Uh, it looks like you've had quite a lot of drawn matches over over recent weeks, and you've just come off the back of a, a yeah a nil nil draw uh, against Portsmouth, wasn't it on on Friday night? So um, yeah, what can we uh, what can we expect? I guess for that cup game, how what's the mood like in the camp? What are people's expectations? How strong a side are, are Derby likely to to stick out? I think the mood is good. I mean, right now in the short term, we do have a few injury problems. I know. This is the sort of time of the season when injuries can kick in for a lot of teams, uh, but we are missing a few key men. So there'll be no Nathaniel Mendes-Lang against Newport, who's been one of Derby's best attacking um, options out wide this season. Um, and in terms of the lineup, it'll probably be a similar one to the one which uh, beat Torquay in a replay in the first round. So um, relatively strong, mainly because we don't have a massive squad in the first place, really. like We don't really have enough players to have like a first squad and a second squad. Um, so the players we'll put out are the players we have available anyway, really. Um, but yeah, in, in the first round, you know, Torquay did take us to a replay. We were completely comfortable with about 20 minutes to go. Then uh, just conceded two stupid goals, one in in second half injury time, which took it to a replay. And obviously we were convincing winners in that replay, 5-0 back at Pride Park. So um yeah, it will be a slightly weakened team, but uh, I'd still say hopefully we should we should have enough to to, to get past you, even with it being at Newport um, and even with having a few injuries. But you never quite know with the FA Cup, and you never quite know with Derby either at the moment. Yeah, and and who who should we be looking out for in that squad? I mean, you mentioned Mendes Lang, who is probably one of the names that. Um, county fans may have have heard of, and yeah, some of us would have seen uh, the yeah the, the the game against uh, Torquay on on the telly. But um, who who else do you think is is likely to play and could be a threat to us? So the player that ticks both those boxes is uh, Will Asula, who is the uh, a nineteen year old Danish striker who Derby have on loan from Sheffield United, who I believe is still actually the top scorer in the FA Cup this season at the moment. Uh, with only three, but still um, two against Torquay in the first in, in the first game, and he scored again in a replay. Uh, a really interesting player, like he's quite unpredictable, quite a bit raw, but essentially like a sort of lean, tall, fast, traditional um, striker, basically, um, who is really quick over the first ten yards. Um, showed his quality in uh, in those two cup games and has five for the season, got a couple in the league against Accrington as well. So he'll probably start and he'll be a danger. Um, and Lewis Dobbin as well, who's, uh, you may have seen it as it was televised, scored an absolute screamer against Torquay in the replay. He scored a cracking uh, volley from outside the box um, in that 5-0 win. He had struggled a bit for goals since coming in on loan from Everton, but hopefully that goal will be a bit of a, a monkey off his back 
and he'll play with a bit more freedom now. So it'll probably be him, uh, Dobbin, and Asula up top, maybe with James Collins as well, who is uh, at the other end of the scale, very experienced, scored loads of goals in the Football League. And after a bit of a dry spell at the start of the season, he started to um, he started to find his feet as well. So those are the three names I'd say that Newport fans should look out for. And I've got to ask you about this because we're we're recording this on the Sunday, which is the 30th birthday of uh, Mark O'Brien, uh, who, of course, you know, Newport County legend, his goal kept in the Football League, but started his professional career out at Derby County. So any particular memories of, uh, of Mark O'Brien during his time at uh, Pride Park? I always liked Toby, you know. I mean, you always have a bit of an affinity with players who come from the youth ranks. And, you know, O'Brien was with Derby from a very young age, I seem to remember. Um, and I think my body memory really is that he didn't just never quite played as many games as he should have. Like when he came in, he looked really brave, like, you know, never shirks a header or a 50 50, always put his body on the line. Um, but in the end, like he suffered so badly of injuries and indeed, yeah. health problems which essentially curtailed his entire playing career with the heart problems that he had um but no I always liked him I, he I was he never had any really bad games for Derby um and he was always an option and he was always symbolic of the uh of the side of like young players with desire and personality that Nigel Clough wanted to mold in the early part of his time at the club in like sort of about 2009 2010 2011 so yeah, I mean, I looked at it recently. He only played about 30 or 40 games for Derby, and it should have been a lot more, yeah. given he was with us for about six years. Um, but I think he's he's a, he's, a, he's a great guy. You feel desperately unlucky for him with what's happened to him in his career. Um, and I'm glad I, I did look out for him at Newport, and I'm glad that he, he, he was able to put together a spell. And I think when he did score that goal, that historic goal for Newport, I think a lot of Derby fans were really pleased for him. Yeah, and he's he's still around the place involved behind the scenes with the club and has a burgeoning media career. So I'm sure he will be all over the airwaves in the in the build up to the game next weekend. Um one other player I've just got to ask about, because again, you know, we're on the on the eve of uh, Wales's World Cup campaign starting. And of course you've got James Chester in your squad, uh one of the the heroes of Wales's Euro twenty sixteen campaign. How's how's he getting on? Not not that great, if I'm perfectly honest. I mean, not entirely his fault. I think he, when he came in, he wasn't quite match sharp. So it took him a while to get up to speed. Um, and although Derby have a small squad, like centre-back position is one of those where there are a few players in front of him, really, which is surprising because I think when he came in, a lot of Derby fans thought, what a great get, you know, a bit of a coup given our circumstances. He's He's gone right to the top with Villa, uh, international player. He should slot straight in. Um, but basically, he's been kept out of the team by Curtis Davis, who's captain, and Erin Cashin, who's Derby's very promising young Irish centre-back. Um, and then even Richard Stearman seems to get in ahead of him. And more recently, Jake Rooney, who's a young centre-back, cousin of Wayne, who um, Paul Warren seems to want to give it a go as well. Um, and on top of that, I think Chester was ruled out with an injury about two, about three weeks ago. So he's not quite in the picture at the moment. I mean, look, he's got quality. He's got experience. I'm sure he will definitely feature for Derby at some point in this season when injuries and suspensions come into play. Um, but right now, it's probably not the start that Chester would have wanted, especially at his age when he would have basically dropped down to League One on the proviso of playing every week. Uh, but right now, he hasn't really done that. But as I said, 
that's not entirely his fault. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, just as we come to the end, how many fans are Derby likely to bring down? Obviously, the game's on on telly, but equally, it's a new ground for fans to tick off. So, are you expecting to bring many down? You know, the fact of being on telly hasn't really put off the fans so far. We took a big number down to Portsmouth on Friday night, which is an incredible effort. We took big numbers to to Torquay as well in the first round. I, I haven't really kept up with how the sales have gone, but I'd imagine we will, if not very close to, probably sell out the away end, I would have thought. We'd definitely take over a 1,000. If this season has proved anything, is is that Derby fans are really keen to tick off those away grounds we haven't been to, having not played at this level for yeah. a long time and played in the Championship for the best part of 15 years. So, yeah, I'd, I'd anticipate a big following even with it being on telly, um, because we're, we're, you know, we we can't get enough of it, basically. <laughs> and finally, Chris, I'm going to push you for a score prediction. I will say that I'd like to think we learned lessons from the first round against Torquay, who, um, in fairness, were a, were a non-league side compared to yourselves. Um, but I'd hope that our game management is better. I'd hope we don't make the same mistakes we did in the first round. So I will say that Derby will edge it 2-1. Well, we're doing our main podcast record tonight, so we'll hold off on any predictions until then. But um, yeah, thank you very much, uh, Chris, and we'll see what happens on Sunday. Thanks a lot. No problem. Enjoy the game. Brilliant. That was a good chat, that. So what are we thinking ourselves? Score predictions for the Derby game. What do you think is going to happen in that? Ed, you sat down with them. What do you? What? 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 They, they they seemed quite confident, didn't they? I think from that that bit of text. That bit yeah, of, um, and what? and it seems to me they're they're likely to put a a decent team out. Um, but the the one thing that I've got in my mind is they have drawn quite a lot of games recently. So they drew drew their last uh, league game, and if you look back through their recent results, they've had a fair few draws. So I just fancy us to get a draw and take them back to Pride Park. So um, I'm going to say. Uh, one one. I'm going to predict a win. Why not? Um, I think we'll nick a one nil because they um, didn't they score right at the end at Torquay to to earn a replay, didn't they? I know they battered Torquay at home once they go back to Pride Park, but I think if we can we can nick a goal, then stick stick everyone behind the ball. That seems as is the way. Yeah, we we have a we have a bit of a track record in the cups as well, don't we? So. I think, yeah, nicking a win is well within possibility. Yeah, we've got a fighting chance, haven't we? But um, I was, it was interesting because obviously I always predict we're going to win, but I actually agree with Ed. I think I think we could, I think we're going back to Pride Park. Yeah, replay I'm going to go for, um, which we still have at this stage, don't we? So, yeah, replays away, I think. So, player of the pod. What's, who's our player of the pod this week? I'm going to give it to James White because. There were plenty of good candidates yesterday. And, you know, Priestley, obviously, I, I suspect would be most people's man of the match. But I want to give a shout out to Wait because he sometimes looked a little bit lost or he's got a bit lost in games or, like I said earlier, he blows hot and cold. I thought yesterday he looked like a player who knew what his job was. He went out, worked really hard, created the space, created opportunities for himself. I think if he has now... Um, worked out what his role is in the team and Coughlin has given him clear instructions about what he does and he can start producing, I think this could be a really exciting little period for for James White. So, um, yeah, I think well done him. But, yeah, there's plenty of honourable mentions. And, um, yeah, I've, I already feel guilty for not giving it to Priestley. I'm going to do the obvious and give it to Priestley. I thought he was 
good in defence yesterday. He made the odd error, but there was one where he got skinned on the on the far touch line to me. Um, but he made an excellent recovery tackle then um, to win it back. Uh, I can't really. I thought he he won practically everything, and then yeah, he's nicked two goals as well. Uh, I thought Will Evans was really good in everything he did pretty much yesterday. He's just he had I think he had one chance, and uh, it was on his left foot as well, and he couldn't take it. That's all he's missing, and he'll be getting player of the pod every week. <laughs> yeah, both good shouts then. For me, I'm giving it to Mariah Welsh, who I, I think we. We said last week he he was looking a little bit under. Um, so whatever's happened in the week, he was on it like a car bonnet from the start, wasn't he? He was buzzing around our midfield early on. I thought that was great. Um, I totally agree that he's obviously not a natural right back, but he, but he went there when he had to make that switch and he and he kept running hard and he was persevering. I like the lad, so yeah, I, I'd give it to him. I think. Um, okay, well before we finish, finally, anyone got a shout out or a beef? I'll go with a shout out, and I'm, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Daydream, I'm going to give a shout out to to Joe Day. Um, you know, he 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 was re- he's been really poor when I've seen this year, but he was he he did what we expect and ask a keeper to do yesterday, and and can't say fair of that. So well played, he he brought himself back, and I, I didn't expect him to be in the eleven. I really didn't. So um, interesting that that psychology there from Cochrane and. Um, he did well, so fair play. He's 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 mine. I've got no beefs. I'm chilled. I've had my shout out, so I'll do my beef. Um, yeah, so my shout out was the Amber Army, like I said earlier. My beef, nothing at all to do with Newport County, but um, I thought the Christmas lights switch on in town was a bit of a disaster. Like a lot of people, I, I wandered over after the game to watch it. Um, but yeah, it was all just a bit rubbish. They seem to have borrowed a PA system from a local scout hall, so no one except those at the very front could uh, could hear what was going on. And then when they did finally do the countdown to the, the lights being switched on, they were going, right, 10, 9, 8. And then they switched the lights on on 7. So it was just all a bit uh, chaotic. So uh, yeah, do better next year. Reese, any shout-outs or beefs? Just maybe that, that decision to move Mariah Welsh to, to right-backs is a weird one when you had Adam Lewis on the bench mm. and you could have switched Aaron over to the right and brought Adam Lewis on. Unusual yeah. decision, but I'm sure there's there's reasons behind it. Brilliant. Okay. I think that's I think that'll do us for today, won't it? It's been a it's been a good chat. We will undoubtedly catch up after the, the cup games at the Dons and the big one against Derby. Um, but in the meantime, thanks to Reese, thanks to Ed, thanks to everyone for listening. Keep it counting. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com planning for your next trip 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.